0: identity as a warrior your identity as a warrior you know we have so many facets to our character because God has so many facets to his character and we're made in his image and so we have uh, different capacities I guess and I I call them identities Uh, but we have different aspects of our character that we can always tap into Uh, we're not one-dimensional people at all uh, many of us uh, function in, in several different roles. You have a professional role. Uh, you have a role within your family. You have a role in your church. So we're, we're, this is not new to us that we have different facets to our character. But some of the ones that uh, we get from God, we may not be as familiar with nor as comfortable with. And one of those is our identity as a warrior. You have a warrior living inside of you. Because Jesus Christ is a Lord of war. And he doesn't mind waging war because that is part of life. When you know your identity as a warrior, there are certain things that will become true in your uh, understanding, there are certain uh, concepts that you'll grab onto. There are certain ways that you'll respond in certain situations. And so when your identity is that of a warrior, you will have certain, certain things that, that are just kind of normal for you, second nature to you, and, and you need to get comfortable with those. Uh, because many times people are not comfortable with certain identities. Or we have an identity uh, in a, a carnal sense and don't really have it in the spiritual like we're supposed to have. Uh, Your identity as a warrior is a spiritual identity. Amen? It's a spiritual identity. In the natural, we may think we can fight, or, you know, there's a natural, I guess you could say, component, counterfeit, or whatever, to anything that is spiritual. But the spiritual warrior is what I'm talking about, because many times people in the natural take on these false identities. And I call them false because they're not supported by God. They're not supported by Scripture. Uh, many times people are, are feel they have to carry themselves in a way uh, that makes them uh, kind of intimidating. that like go for bad, like we you know would always say. So it's so go for bad, you know. I mean, you know, because they're fearful people and they feel they have to kind of conjure up this persona to intimidate and to you know get some attention or whatever and they're really trying to fight they have a fight within themselves i think many times of fear and and not knowing exactly what to do in certain situations so it's just common people take on a some kind of a you know affect or some way to present themselves to the world to kind of cover up for from that little timid person that little fearful person that lives within them then there are some people who just are are Take up the attitude, they're angry, and they want to take on that angry affect and carry it out into the world. And those people usually wind up, you know, with the red jumpsuit and how many of the numbers, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> oranges to new black or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very uh, difficult for them to live a peaceful life. God has called us to peace. We are to live at peace with all men. But there is a warrior inside of us, and he is a spiritual warrior. He is not a natural warrior. In the natural, uh, the warrior of God walks in peace and in harmony and in love and understanding with all people, with his fellow man, with strangers. We are to serve humanity. So the warrior is first of all a servant, but he's also uh, uh, connected to the Lord of War and knows how to wage war. We, we wage war against unrighteousness. We don't wage war for ourselves. Now you can get the benefits of warfare but actually you are a soldier who is employed by God. So you are hired by God to wage his war to fight out his war down here on earth so that the rest of humanity get, can get the benefit of God's righteousness. They can get the benefit of God's love and his understanding and his provision, so forth and so on. So really, the Bible says that no uh, soldier, when he goes to war, labors or pays for his own war. He's hired by somebody. And so, the war that we are engaged in is a war that's gone on uh, since the beginning of time. Since Lucifer first rose up against God in heaven, there has been war in the heavenlies and war down here on earth because Satan fell to earth and this was his domain. God set man right in the middle of the devil's domain. And I'm going to tell you, God will sit you right in the middle of the devil's domain because he knows he's victorious in all things. He's not afraid of the devil, and he doesn't want us to be either. In order to rise up as a warrior in your spirit, you must be at peace with people. You People can never be your problem if you're going to walk in your true identity as a spiritual warrior. People, you have to understand that people are motivated by many different things. But the greatest thing we have going for us in our relationships with people and our, and our interactions with people is the, the factor that God is love. And love never fails. So when you encounter human beings, say, that are influenced by the devil or influenced by their sinful flesh or selfishness or whatever, you need to understand that you are to love those people because love never fails to win humanity over to God's side. Love never fails to win people over to the gospel. Love never fails to win humanity over to right relationship with God and peace with God. And so our our position when it comes to humanity is to use love first and then in the secret place or in your prayer closet you can can wrestle against the devil. Most of our our spiritual warfare is done in the realm of prayer. It is not done in confronting people and talking bad about them, going nose to nose. Oh, you think I'm a pushover, you know. For so many years, I would hear Christians in the church, you know, we have all these sayings in the church. Don't take my meekness for weakness. It's a bad attitude, you know. We just carry these attitudes. You know why? Because we resent the humble life and the servant life that God has, has created for us. But Jesus was a servant. He served everybody. That's what he did first. He served humanity, even though he was the Lord of glory and King of all and could have destroyed everything, you know, if he got angry enough. He never did. And so he was able to rule and, and conquer his own spirit first. And I think that's a, a hallmark of a warrior of God. They're not still wrestling against people. They don't have issues with, you understand what I'm saying? They, all that's been laid down. They don't have these, these axes to grind personally. And so the first characteristic of a warrior, I think, is that they, they obey God and they obey the commandment to love. Love is always the motive. And you'll see that with our examples today. We're going to talk about David and how he identified as a warrior and how that identity carried him through victoriously in everything that God put before him. When it was necessary for that face of the warrior to show up, he put it on. And it was motivated oftentimes by the attacks of the enemy. So when the attacks of the enemy come and you're standing for God's righteousness, that anger of the warrior will rise up on the inside of you and begin to go into action and begin to take action. And so we need to understand the difference between the spiritual warrior and the one that may may try and rise up on you in anger in your flesh. In anger in your flesh, you just forgive that person, release that to God, and let God judge between you and that person. Remember when uh, Abraham and Lot started to argue, it was amazing. They got along fine as long as they didn't have so much. But when they both got rich, that's when the strife broke out. See, My stuff's protecting these stuff. See, I, My, my herdsmen keep going over in your yard. Yours keep coming over here, get my sheep back and get out of my yard and all this kind of stuff. As long as uh, Abram was following God and they both didn't have so much, they got along. But then when the time came, when they both had so much, they didn't have enough room, they began to strive with each other. And so Abram told Lot, he said, you just take whatever you want. See, that's what a peacemaker does. Does whatever, humbles himself to the other person, even though it was Abraham's stuff to start out with. Lot didn't have nothing. Lot was a tag along. huh? The little nephew that always followed his uncle and loved his uncle. But he was blessed because of his association with Abraham. But Abraham did not rise up in anger and try to throw Lot out or take the best and leave him nothing. He said, you choose what you want first. He said, I don't want strife to break out between me and you. I want us to always have peace between us. And that is one of the things of the warrior, see the more you can be at peace with, with man, humanity with yourself and have a peaceful spirit about you and not be quick to get angry, the more authority and power God will allow you to wield in the spiritual realm you understand what I'm saying you trade one for the other you let go of this You know I don't need to be angry with you I don't need to get in my flesh about this and you let that go and you let that die and you, you, you release that to God you just drop that out of your hands and then God in turn will put spiritual power into your hands because now he knows he can trust you you won't use it against people you won't use it to destroy yourself you won't use it to lord it all over people I remember in the early or mid 80s when we first started the ministry and uh, officially started around 1990, the uh, casting out devils and spiritual warfare was all the rage. Everybody was doing it and people were in the flesh with it. You know, they'd want to get you up in front of a crowd of people and wrestle with devils and bring barf bags you could throw up in them and, you know, have people foaming at the mouth. And you could see it was all just a show in the flesh and one day I was talking to God about it. I said, God, I want to help people. I said, but could you please work with me on this? I said, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I said, I think when you come to church, you, if you come in dignity, you should be able to leave in dignity and not be a, a show for everybody. you know. And, I, and he said, well, you have total authority over the devil. He said, you tell him what to do and what not to do. And that's what I did. I told him, I said, "If I said, Devil, you're not going to perform up here. This is not a show. You're not going to make anybody throw up. You're not going to make nobody foam at the mouth. You're going to come out meekly and quietly, Amen. and make your exit." Amen. And we maintained that throughout the years. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and people get free. You know, you can get free. The fact that you foam at the mouth is no indication of your freedom. Amen. you just get out of jail you know if you're free or not you don't need to go through any gyrations to prove that a devil was in and came out come on now you know if you're free or not you know how you feel you know by a release in your spirit you know by a lightness in your countenance You know. I've talked to people and I can see I told the one lady one time she was coming all worried she always come came in she didn't come often enough really to get any help. You know how some people just drop in, drop out. They think they you know, they don't need as much as they need or I don't know what goes through people's minds when they do that. But when she would come in, she was always pecking on my door before service. And I don't let I don't talk to people before I have to preach. And I'll tell you why. Because your spirit, if you're a preacher, your spirit is sensitive. To voices conversations and all i would do was sit up there and instead of doing the sermon god gave me i'd talk about what she talked about and so i told her i said i said sweetheart you can't now you can't talk to me now you have to wait after service but see some people so anxious for help because the devil's made them desperate so she come in sit and listen to the sermons, and still didn't get any help in the sermon you know you still got to go talk to them later and she was sitting there talking to me. And as I spoke with her and gave her the word, I saw one devil leave, two devils leave, three devils leave. Her eyes were like this when she came in. And as I talked to her, they went like boom, 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 boom. Complexion even got lighter. And she's white. You understand? <laughs> I'm home now. <laughs> I told her, I said, your countenance has even changed while you're talking to me. But he should go away and stay away for two months and come back, same problem over again. I say, Your problem is very simple. I say you're not being obedient to God. I said, God is a God who wants commitment. He ain't a drop in God. (laughs) You know, that's why people get nowhere. You know, now if that offends you, I'm real sorry. No, I ain't sorry. You need to be offended if that if that hurts your feelings. Because that's so normal for people to come to church consistently if they belong to God. No, God, you have an appointment to come and hear the word of God. You have an appointment to come and receive help from God. You have an appointment. You need help. I need help. The preacher needs help. Are you kidding me? The hell we have to live in from day to day? Are you kidding me? You think you can stay away from the house of God for months and let your soul be bombarded with
1: uh, <laughs> empire? <laughs>
0: I know y'all don't watch them kind of shows. Hmm. Where's little, little Howard at? Hey, look at he hiding back there. Cookie too old for you. You understand? She got kids older than you are.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, he ain't the only one. The women is worse. You know that the Terrence Howard?
1: Oh, he party, bar.
0: He party, but he let Cookie go and do them 17 years. That brother ain't right. That ain't, I'm sorry, I'm still talking about, that ain't right. She came out of jail with that fur, was oldest.
1: (laughs) She was was wearing it, she was
0: either wearing it or it was wearing her. I said, oh boy, this is another show I got to talk to people about here. We go again. (laughs) But anyhow... Oh, he purdy,
1: bar. I know he purdy, but he ain't no good. <laughs> He's wrong. Huh? <laughs>
0: but we gotta be as dedicated, folks. You go for your own well being. That's why you attend church. You attend church, you sit under the authority of God's word by fivefold ministry gift person. You understand what I'm saying? Wherever you're assigned. You stay there and you don't budge. Whatever you do, don't let the devil move you. Because that's the first thing he wants to do is move people. So that you don't grow, you don't make progress, you know, you just don't don't maintain what God wants you to have and what he's given us. And so when your identity is that of a warrior, you understand these basic things, how to live your Christian life. How to stay under authority. How to, to to not make yourself a victim of the enemy. And then from that, then you learn how to walk in love. You learn how to release things to God immediately. Forgiveness should not be, uh, I'm the bigger person. Forgiveness is a command. You ain't big and you ain't little. You're being obedient when you forgive. You understand what I'm saying? I was reading Richard Robertson a letter this month and he was talking about forgiveness. That was the word that God gave him for his partners. And so he said, he said, like Lindsay said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and wanting the other person to die. Huh? I'm going to say it again. It's like drinking poison and and expecting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness does to you. So as you're a warrior, you can't harbor these things in your heart. You can't have attitudes against people. You can't have any flesh and blood enemies. You've got to have every man as your friend, as a potential friend, as somebody you're at peace with, and then you know to fight the devil. There's a devil that's your problem. He's your only enemy that you will ever have. And if you reserve your anger for the devil, and if you reserve your your, uh, stance as a warrior, you preserve that, and you allow God to move you into that when it's time, then you'll be successful in everything that you do. Your biggest fight against the enemy will be against your soul. And that's why you spend time in the word. You get your mind renewed in the word of God. Allow God's word to, to soak your brain and wash all the nonsense out that you, we hear every day, that we listen to, that we have to put up with from people we love and people we don't love so much. You understand what I'm saying? People you have to meet in the workplace your your soul becomes damaged from that and so you need the washing of the water of the word to wash and agitate that stuff out of your brain and replace it with the truth of God's word so when you're filled with God's word you're fully loaded huh you got a full clip in your in your gun and you got a quiver full of in your uh your of arrows in your uh, quiver you're 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 loaded for bear your sword is sharpened. You can fight anything when you walk like that. But we cannot fight the devil if we're over on his side of the line. You can't. If you're mad at people and you don't like people and you got offenses and they don't treat me right and they didn't do this right and they're always wrong. If people are always wrong to you. Then you need to spend time asking God. God, help me to get over in the right mentality where I can be the right kind of warrior. I want to war for you. I want to fight your battles successfully. I don't want to always be warring against people. I don't want to always be somebody's victim, and you know, and, and uh, they're not right people, and always judging somebody. We got to get beyond pettiness. We say it all the time, but we really got to move, folks. We can't can't harbor. You know, it's not about you anymore. We're dying to ourselves every single day as we live for Christ. Every single day. We're changing. We're being conformed to his glorious image. Uh, there's so much more to us than we know. If we allow ourselves to remain in darkness, what God, what you are in Christ will never emerge. And the true you will never be able to bless this earth and be a benefit to yourself, your family, your friends, future family, humanity, whoever God puts in your path. He wants you to be at peace with them and leave a blessing behind. To be a major blessing in the earth. And so we keep these things straight. We love humanity. We serve humanity. But we fight the devil and put him in his place and never give him an opportunity to get an advantage over us. So when you identify as, as a warrior, there are certain things that will be true for you. And that is, number one, you walk in love. You walk in obedience to God. And you walk in harmony with all of humanity. So if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll see some other factors about the warrior. I'd like to give you a good foundation so you get an understanding. You know, some people wonder, well, why doesn't this work for me? And I hope I've answered some of those questions. You know, if you if you keep short accounts, you walk in love and you don't try to, you know, elevate yourself too high too fast. You know, let God, humble yourself to God. He'll exalt you in due season. You know, when it's time to be exalted, you'll be up there. Trust me. God's faithful. So when you identify as a warrior, the enemy's size does not matter. The size of the enemy does not matter. This is where the devil really intimidates people. Because he'll get you to feeling small or intimidated by somebody who has authority over you. It's the first, first place he begins to operate. Children feel like they have to manipulate or rebel or whatever against parents. Husbands and wives tend to try and get in strife with one another because of the place of respect they have to hold for one another. At your work, everybody hates the boss. You know, bosses have to learn how to live with that because they're usually the most hated people in the workplace. Why? Because they have authority. Anybody who has authority, authority will be fought. Authority will be challenged because people prefer to do what they want to do instead of obey the authority, God-given authority that's placed over them. True. In the church, people want to tell the pastor how to run things. Had a couple that, that came, one of the wife came to me, she wanted prayer. Uh, her husband was sick with cancer. They couldn't do anything for them. And I said, Well, honey, what church do you, you say you're a Christian, what church? Well, and I said, Oh boy, here we go. You know, and I'm not meaning to stay on this, but somebody needs to hear this today. You understand what I'm saying? Because we, we major in the minors, huh? And we minor in the majors. You, 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 you know, you <laughs> strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. We we strive over the small things and the devil's getting you to, to swallow something really, really big while you're majoring on small things. And she said, well, to be honest with you, I said, oh, here we go. We sat in our kitchen. The was there with me. And I said, "Well, well, what happened? I said, you mind me asking what happened? You know, when you're a preacher, you don't know if they're getting ready to jump on you. or You know, I don't want to know what happened, really, but God's telling me to ask her what happened. Because, you know, I'm on <laughs> I'm on the preacher's side. <laughs> you know, I got stuff to do myself, lady. You know, I'm, come on now. Just me. But I asked her because I felt led of God to ask her. And she said, well, when we first started going to church, and I said, here it is. Baby Christians still. Been saved 10, 12 years. They're still babies. You know why? Because they haven't been planted any place to grow. If I take a seedling, and this is the other truth about it, too. I take a seedling, and if I don't put it in enough soil, what's going to happen to it? Eh? it'll die. As a baby seedling Christian, God lets you live at a seedling level. He won't let that choke you off yet. But you won't grow. You'll still be that same baby. He's waiting for you to get somewhere where you can get planted, where you can thrive, where you can flourish, where he can know where you are so he can send a message to you. Now, did you know that? God has an assignment. He's assigned you to a local fellowship, and he sends that message to you every week, and you should show up there to get your message. That's your address. You understand me? Your address ain't running around from place to place. Your, your address ain't on the internet with Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn don't know who you are. That's why he calls you partner. See, to me, you're Chanel. You understand what i you saying? You're, you're uh, Lord have mercy. Diane. Oh, yeah, that's Diane. Hi, Diane. She back there camouflaging herself. Y'all need to get some regular seats around here. But you understand what I'm saying? That's why they call you partner. Because they don't know you by name. But when you go where you're assigned, God sends a message. This is your address for you to come pick up your mail from God on a regular basis. And you best get here every time there's a service. Let your mail pile up in the box and all that. He ain't holding your mail for you. Are you kidding me? You ain't paying no rent on this box. <laughs>
1: it's the truth.
0: And she said, Well, when we were new Christians, we went to a seminar. Knowledgeable. Baby in the spirit, but got a lot of knowledge, they think. You see what I'm saying? We went to a seminar and they gave us some information on uh, uh, protesting abortion, anti abortion. And they said, show it to your pastor. And we went from church to church and none of the pastors would share it with the congregation. So we left. I said, number one, I don't know who told you that. They said, share it. They didn't tell you to make the pastor get up there and tell tell his congregation that stuff. I said, any pastor worth their salt gets their messages from God. I said, I don't listen to the, I mean, I help them. I love them. I I'll listen to them some, but I don't take what they tell me to preach and preach it. You just don't need help with that. When you're a minister, God called you. huh? He called you and you have relationship with him. You get your messages from him. See, I'm never too busy to sit and listen to God and find out what he wants me to tell you from time to time. And so I don't need no help from that with that. And I know when witches are afoot. And I figure anybody come and try to tell me to do something and I serve God, it's got a little witchcraft in them anyway. Yeah. And so I'm very polite to them. I'm as kind as I can be. Unless they challenge me. See, when they start wanting to fight back then, I just don't take that too good. You understand what I'm saying? They want to back and forth, back and forth. And we don't go there, you know. But that's what happened. Husband came down with cancer. See, way back then, the devil had that plan for him. And God had a way for him to be healed. Just go where you're assigned, sit. And let the word come to you and help you and heal you. Every time you're in the atmosphere of God, you receive healing. Every time you're in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, your spirit grows and it gets stronger. And it eventually overtakes what the enemy is trying to do in us. And so in, in, in even when you, in your private time between you and God, you can kind of build up strength in areas where you know you're weak but you've got to get the ministry of the fivefold. that's the only structure God has to help people is his church and I know we look like we don't know what we're doing and we look like we ain't all this and all that but if God sent you there that's what you're supposed to do you humble yourself and sit and you receive the word of God that's so easy I wish I could trade places with y'all sometimes. I wish I could sit and let somebody, because I love the word. I would love to just just every week come in there and just lay back and let somebody else, you know what I'm saying, but it's my job to do it. I love doing it, but I love receiving too. You know, it's so easy. God makes it so easy. We complicate it with our nonsense. You know, Junk that has nothing to do with god's kingdom but it has everything to do with our defeat if we hold on to it you understand what i'm saying i gave her what i could give her i had an mp3 player with healing schools on it i don't know if you ever that's been over a year and i sometimes i ask god i "I wonder if he's doing okay i wonder you know chances are very great he's not but in the outside chance that he humbled himself and said, well, God, this is my chance, this is my lifeline, I'm going to take it, then he's still alive. Because that word heals him. Amen. But you've got you to have your life in order with God. You can't, have, you can't be holding grudges against his servants and think you're going to eat from the master's table. God's table is a table of peace and harmony. You've got to be at peace with all men if you're going to receive from God. You can't hate your brother and then sit up there and eat at daddy's table and think daddy's going to approve of you and heal you. huh? You can't even offer God a, a bribe, I call it. Not a gift. <laughs> it's more of a bribe. You know, when you've got animosity in your heart and you want to give to God and get a, a special release of a, a big time harvest. Amos 9.13, that's mine. Ain't yours. If you're you know what I'm saying, if you're in that kind of how would you like it if, if you if you hated your little brother and was beaten up on him and your parents gave you everything anyway, they never corrected you. It's not right. God doesn't allow that to happen in his house either. So his table is a table of peace. His table is a table of harmony and love. And as a warrior you've got to you got to you can't use uh, eternal weapons and hit human flesh with that wow. god's not going to let you do that he'd have to stop you he's not going to let you destroy people so we can't do that we can't have retaliation in us we can't watch people to see when you we get an opportunity to tell them off because we missed an opportunity once before you didn't miss an opportunity wow. you obeyed god yes. see you ain't missing no, i mean you ain't miss nothing It missed you and thank God for it because you don't have to tell people all your mind. You don't have to tell them everything that's on your mind. It'll save you some embarrassment in the future because then when you cool down and you realize what you where you've been off in hell somewhere with an angry demon. You'll be ever so glad you didn't say what you were thinking trying to come out of your mouth instead of saving it up for another opportunity to blast them with. I mean, this is how we live, folks. Come on now. I'm talking about myself. I ain't the only one who gets these feelings and thoughts and all this kind of crazy stuff. And You can't be crazy and use spiritual weapons of warfare successfully for God. Can't do it. <laughs> Your Cookie spent 17 years in the joint, came back and wanted to tell everybody off. You understand what I'm saying? There's 17 years of vengeance in your heart. He purred, he passed right. She gonna fry that brother though. She get a half a chance. She got something laid up for him. See y'all. can't <laughs> okay, be like that, huh? Huh? You go. We gonna have to get Cookie saved before the for the season. Ain't that right, Lord? Oh, you don't want like, you don't want to. Come on, little Howard. You don't like her like that. She probably she need to be saved, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> For his glory. Oh, Howard,
1: you're right. <laughs> he <ain't> right. <laughs> He's looking at me like, <laughs> I like cookies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hallelujah. So, First Samuel 17, that was the introduction. Sorry about that. It took a long time, but. You got to go where God tells you to go, folks. You got to go where he tells you to go. So here, the size of the enemy does not matter. Does not matter. doesn't matter how intimidating, you know, the more power sometimes people have, the bigger their devils are. And they're in places where they can marshal other forces to help them. You know, some people live in a realm where they have... Uh, legal um, assistance to help them with evil things that they plan to do sometimes they have and, and that's the other thing it doesn't matter the level of power that you're dealing with if you're fighting in God's battles it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they take you to court it doesn't matter if they take you to the supreme court there have been many Christians that have been taken to the supreme court and won Why? Because they had that warrior in them and they allowed God to propel them to whatever level needed to be fought on. They stood with God and God propelled them to that level. And so we'll have to understand that when the enemy starts to attack us, we can't back down from our stand for God. If you're one of those people that that decided that you didn't want your children being uh, taught that homosexuality is normal and it's, it's, you know, natural and all that. Uh, then you have to take a stand. You take a righteous stand. You take a stand uh, because people, many times, people in the world don't expect a stand to come from certain people. You know, those people are what you, you might call God's secret weapons. That's kind of what David was in this situation. They didn't expect him to be the one. He was a shepherd boy. He was over in, in tending to father sheep and counting sheep and smelling like a sheep and uh, and on a good day you smelt like a sheep. On a bad day you smelt like something else. You understand what I'm saying? But but they never expected him to be that person. I remember when they, they passed some law in Arkansas uh, where they were going to let transgender people, like a man who was getting a sex change to be a woman, he could go to the ladies bathroom. You understand what I'm saying? Why he'd want to be in there I don't know. And he didn't want to be in the mans either. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's his problem. But if you don't think you want your girls to be in a bathroom like that, then you say something. And Michelle Duggar spoke up and said, you know, we don't want this here. And she talked to the right people and (laughs) no time it was they back down again. Because, see, the devil tends to intimidate people who are under his power, but when God steps in, they have to relinquish their power and let it go. And so they never expected this meek little lady who only knows how to count and see how many, 19, 19, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4. They think all she knows how to do is count heads and make meals. They never expected her to take a stand like that. And so, when God has a warrior, you don't ever know when that warrior is going to stand up on the inside of you. When he stands up on the inside of you, you got to roll with it because that's God calling you into service. We're we're, not—we're—we are full-time warriors on call. You understand what I'm saying? You're not in in war mode all the time. You know, respect me. That—that's not us. But we're called into service. When God needs somebody to take a stand for him. Why does he need us? Why doesn't God do it himself? Because he has given us authority down here on earth. He's expecting us to do it. Yeah. Amen. And we need to expect to have to make these stands for God. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to get ugly with them. All you have to do is state what God tells you to say. And let God and his angels do the rest of the warfare for you. He's looking for people to declare his word into these dark situations. To say what thus saith the Lord in these, these ugly situations. They were going to have, uh, uh, who was it, which one of those schools? I think it was maybe Duke University or somebody at their chapel. Christian chapel, now they going to have a Muslim lead prayer. And who, you know, all the charismatic people. You know, all the big word of faith people over in the land of compromise trying to keep all their millions coming in so they can stay on television. Baptist.
1: <laughs>
0: Baptist. Huh? Franklin Graham said, I'm calling, this is not going to happen. I'm calling all of the alumni of Duke University and all the supporters. He hit, bam, right in the
1: pocketbook. The
0: devil fell back 15 paces. They said, you know what? We changed our mind. We're not going to let this Muslim guy come here and lead prayer. This is a Christian. See, all it takes is one word. From somebody who, that warrior stood up in him. And he was Baptist no more. Amen. He was the son of God. And he was representing God down here on earth. And that's what happens when you have a warrior living on the inside of you. A spiritual warrior. You never know when he's going to stand up and get the moving on you. huh? And you, when he moves, you move. And all he said was one thing, he didn't complain to nobody, he didn't go rag nobody out, he just stood up and used the platform God gave him and said, we're not going to have it. He said, if that's what's going to happen, then we take the money out of that school. And see, the minute you tell trustees and alums that the money's coming out, they get very, very nervous. Students too. Because these students think they're liberals now, but you wait until real God, they be on their knees. I'm going to Bible study. And I know so well you are. Huh? Let's cut this nonsense out. It's not education. It's indoctrination. At the tune of $30,000 a year. The devil's stuff is very expensive, folks. Very expensive. Am I ever going to get this first Samuel 17? <laughs> So here's the, you know, there's, we're, we're familiar with this story somewhat. There's a war, quote unquote war going on, a natural war going on. So here the Philistines are gathered on one side, the Israelites on the other side. There's a valley between them. And they're all thankful for the valley, trust me, because they don't want to fight each other, but for real though. So what they do is they send out a representative they call a champion. And so what it is, is that it's for all the the marbles. You know what I'm saying? If you beat me, we'll be your slaves. And if I beat you, you'll be our slaves. But we're not going to let every man fight every man. We'll just bring you, bring me out your best. I bring you out our best. And we let the best, best duke it out. Makes no sense to me, but you know what I'm saying. That's how they did it in those days. Spared a lot of lives. Makes Makes sense to some degree. But anyway, it says in verse 4, there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Now one of my Bibles I had how much, does anybody have that? He was like over like eight feet tall or something? Ten feet, okay, over ten feet tall. So you know, he's nothing to play with. He had a helmet of brass on his hand. He was armed with a coat of mail. They talked about how much that weighed. He had the greaves, of, uh, the greaves of brass on his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, very thick. That's that's how fat his staff was to fit his hand. And an armor bearer went <laughs> with before him. I don't know what the armor bearer's job was. You know, just <laughs> just to show up. And he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and servants to Saul? Choose a man from you and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And the Philistine said this that really ticked off David and it should make people who have the warrior on the inside. See, there's something the enemy will do. That will stir that thing up in you. You don't stir it up yourself. This is stirred up uh, by, by. It's called up into use when God needs it. And sometimes there are people who uh, are disturbed sometimes. By the kind of righteous indignation and righteous anger on the inside of them. But this is what moves us into action. It's got to be there. Because it's God alerting you. That he wants to use you to settle this thing. And he's with you. He's going to help you. And you will be victorious. You got me? So when that thing rises up in you, you all of that is true about you. If you will say what God tells you to do, if you will take a stand against this, if you will declare his word and you will speak his word to whomever or whatever situation he tells you, all of that stuff that fell in line for David is going to fall in line for you. No no two ways about it. God does not put you in jeopardy in any way. You are not going to fail. There's nothing that you're risking that he won't give you more besides. There's a reward for you personally in this. Number one, you'll know what it feels like to beat the devil for once in your life. I don't know about you, but I got sick of him knocking me upside the head when I was a sinner. That's why I came to God. And I really, to be honest with you, I always considered the Christians I knew as kind of missing it some, somewhere. I said, no, this couldn't be all there is to the Christian life, you know. Because many times the people you run into, they have different degrees. Of, and so God said, well, you know, you get into the life yourself and then you'll find out what it's really like. It can't be experienced by observing other people and judging other people and criticizing other people so you get into this life with me and you'll find out exactly what it is and i found out it lined up with the bible every single time wow. every single time that god gave me when i see illness it may, it angers me on the inside when i see people depressed i get angry about it on the inside when i see people putting up with nonsense from the devil i get angry about it on the inside not angry with them But there's a warrior on the inside of me that knows that this is wrong, this is illegal, this is not God's plan, and it doesn't have to go on. And if there's something, God, you want me to do or say or minister to this person, please let me know because I'm ready to do it. And that's your response. When you're a warrior for God, your response is always there's some action that needs to be taken. God, and if I'm the one to do it, let me know most of your battles will be done in prayer and we said that but david's battle was done in the natural and so we're gonna uh, find out what he did what what the goliath did that really upset david was he's he defied the armies of the living god that defiance against god's law defiance against god's people stirs up the warrior inside of people when, when uh, Franklin Graham heard that they were going to have Muslim prayers in that Christian uh, chapel, the warrior on the inside of him, it was a defiance of God's church, of the sanctity of that church, of the people who put that church on that campus. It, they defied that. And that stirred up a righteous anger on the inside of him and moved him to action against it. Goliath's size was not a factor to David. Because David knew his identity as a warrior. Goliath was bigger than anybody there. As a warrior, David knew he represented the Lord. He represented the Lord of war, not himself. He knew his God is a God of war. He identified with the Lord and took his identity from God. So you have to be one who wants to fight God's cause. It's not right or wrong because you say it's right or wrong. But it's right or wrong because God says it's right or wrong. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we hold to personally. There are Christians who think, uh, well, the church is too hard on homosexuals. What what difference does that make? If they don't get saved, they still go to hell. I mean, that is not the issue. The issue is not we've been harder, softer than anybody. What is going to be their eternal fate and can we stop that and get them into heaven? That's the issue. See? This other stuff is never the issue. The issue with us as believers is never whether or not we like the people, all the people in the church building we go to. The issue is, is that where God planted you? then you stay planted and you grow. We need to seek God concerning our role in the victory. Not the defeat should never come into the mind of a warrior, not a warrior for God. There's no defeat thought here. You don't think about, well, what if they don't get healed? I go lay hands on somebody. I pray for somebody. What if they don't get healed? They will be healed. i tell you one thing. If you don't lay hands on them, they'll never get healed. But if you go lay hands on them, chances are very great they will. You understand me? So you're giving people a chance for a better life when you obey God. You're not guaranteeing anything because it's not yours to guarantee. You're just being obedient to the spirit of God. Same thing David was doing. David knew that God would be with him. Anything he did for God, God would be with him. You got me? And that's what we need to know. Number two, the enemy's threats don't matter. In verse 10, the Philistine said, I defy the armies of the living God. Give me somebody so they can fight with me. Saul and all Israel heard it. All the soldiers that were dressed up in all their battle gear and all that stuff heard it and kept running. The minute Goliath thundered his voice in that valley. You know how it is sometimes when you're in that echo comes. And it reverberated. And they, it, everybody fled. Everybody fled. He down there just a-talking, just a-talking, just a-talking. And they just a-running, just a-running, just a-running. I wonder if any of them ever thought... Why don't one of us go out there and say something back to him? I'm going to say it again. Because this is always the problem. With us as believers, we sit and we listen to the devil's nonsense, and we whine and we complain. Well, you know, it's just rough in the schools, and take your kid out of this school, and the devil chases him to the next school, and you just keep running, keep running, keep running, and complaining about how bad things are. What if one day, while these kids are doing all this threatening and taunting and carrying on? What if one day you said, you know what, devil, you're not chasing my kids out of this school anymore. I live here. I pay my taxes. We're going to cause a revolution in the schools. And we're going to start praying and we're going to start declaring that these schools belong to God once again and get God back in schools. Because the devil gets so bad, he'll chase God out of schools because we let him. See, we let him. If anybody had gone down to that valley and said back to Goliath, No, Goliath, this day you're going to die right here in this spot. That's all David did. He answered that devil back and he told that devil what thus saith the Lord. And that was the first step in his victory. After you declare the word, when they start falling, they continue to fall like dominoes. One after the other, after the other, after the other. All it took was one person to get mad on the inside and say, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? And after that it was on. David said, I, he kept asking the crowd that was around him. You can read the story. I don't have time to read everything. It's going to slow things down. But you you understand the story. David, David kept listening to the people because he was new in the camp. He wasn't a soldier. He was a shepherd boy. His daddy told him, he said, David, I want you to, your brother's been at that battle so long. And you know word gets back to everybody. And the daddy knew they wasn't fighting. He said, well, if they haven't been fighting, they've just been sitting around by this time. They're out of food. He said, David, go take them some more food. As long as they're just sitting and eating, I guess it's okay. Well, you can just run on in there. You know, it's like sending somebody to Iraq with a happy meal for his brother. You know, that's how slow things were at the battlefront. So this just sitting, you know, doing their thing. So David takes provisions for his brother so they won't starve. While David is there, he overhears a conversation. That's how a lot of times our assignments come to us. Things that we get wind of, you know, you're not really looking for no trouble. You're not looking to go, you know, fight nobody or anything, but things you get wind of. It might be through the news or it might be something you read on the Internet, but you get wind of these things. And the warrior starts to stand up on the inside of you. And so David then began to listen to what they were telling him. And he, they kept repeating the story over and over and over again. And he said, who is this? Who? He's defi- he said, I defy the armies of the living God this day. He said, Who is this guy? Who does he think he is is what the essence of who does he think he is? Talking like that about God's people. Who does he think he is talking like that about God's warriors? Who does he think he is talking like that about Christians, about God's church? Who is he to put down God's people like that? Do you understand what I'm saying? And that indignation should come in us for our cause. See? We shouldn't be split up in factions as believers. Craziest thing that ever happened was... Your denomination's better than mine, and you know more than we do, and you can do this better than we do. Everybody has their part to play. Maybe my part isn't your part. Maybe you haven't been enlightened to understand my part, but you can still do your part. See, you can still do your part. And so David then begins to unify people under the authority of God to stand as one man and fight one enemy. So we said the size of the enemy does not matter. Goliath was the biggest thing there, and David was able to go and challenge his authority just by questioning what he was doing there, why he was doing it, and what was being said. When you take a stand against the enemy, a spiritual enemy, you will be accused of all kinds of things. Verse 28 Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke. To the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. So when you have uh, authority in God and you make a stand for God, other Christians will fight against you. They'll tell you you're not supposed to do that. Who do you think you are? Eliab accused David of being in pride and, and, and uh, not taking care of daddy's sheep. How come you ain't at home? Many times people get possessive of certain things to do in the body of christ you know they want to control everything you know i was looking i see on the internet all the time people send you these emails and you know they see watchman in your title or something like that we never used to get so much mail because we were the only ones for many years that even had to use that name and now everybody's using it so now they want to email you and say we're getting the largest group of intercessors in the the state of michigan and we got to go for us to listen we done done that already you understand what i'm saying god can save by many or by few what you need to do is focus on your assignment when god has you assigned to do something many people will try to get you come and get you under their authority to help them to make a big name for themselves that's what saul tried to do for david See, when David was there and he was getting ready to go out and fly, fight Goliath, and t- he told Saul. Uh, Saul said, you know, David, this guy is, is, is older. You know, he's got shoes older than you. You understand what I'm saying? You're just a boy and he's been fighting since he was your age. So his sword is older than you. Everything about him is bigger, badder, and older than you. And David tells Saul, he said, well, I fought the lion. Lion came and tried to take the sheep. And he said, I took the lion, caught him by his beard and hit him upside the head and killed him.
1: Yeah.
0: And Saul so goes, whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. He's either on something or he's on God. huh? Yeah. When you tell people the kind of victories God's given you as a ministry, we don't talk about it too much. We just write it down in the book. We keep going. huh? Mm-hmm. But you know what God told me after 25 years of ministry... To put it in the book, document all of the answers to prayer and how we were assigned these things. Even if this generation doesn't want to hear it, somebody in future generations if the Lord tarries, that's going to be a breath of fresh air to them. See, that will give them hope and give them encouragement. And so we we talk about how we fought the, the, you know, when I moved to Detroit, when I moved to Michigan, assisted suicide, they were going to vote on that to enact it so that Michigan would be a state where you could bring people to be killed. If they got sick enough, you know, it'd be legal to put people to death there. And we stood against it and you wouldn't believe what a stronghold it had. But once you take a stand, it might take a while. But that thing will come down because God fights with you and he fights for you. He just wants you to take a stand. And that's what David did. He took a stand against Goliath and Saul. He told Saul um, that I fought the lion. And he said, and then a bear came. And he took one of the sheep in his mouth. And I yanked it out of the bear's mouth and I hit the bear with my bare hands and killed him. And so Saul's listening to all of this and I guess he says, well, he's either crazy or he's, he knows God. And see, thank God Saul didn't try to stand in his way. Because many times people who think they know God more than you do... Or they've got a bigger title than you are. Will try to put you down and discourage you from taking your stand in God. But I don't care how small you think you are. Look at how small David was. How young he was compared to anybody. But he had experience with God. That's all God looks for. Somebody who has a heart for him and will obey him. And have experience with him. David when he was under that anointing and hit that lion and that bear probably didn't even know what he was doing. And sometimes it will be like that in the realm of prayer. You begin to pray and intercede and, and attack things in the realm of the spirit. And you come out just a normal person like you were before you prayed the first time. But when you look back, you see that that illness didn't claim that person. You'll see that that school changed. You'll see that things changed for the better because you've been in that realm of warfare and God's been with you. That's the important thing that the Lord of war is with you and he fights with you and he fights for you. And so when David saw Goliath, you know, challenging them, something rose up in him. That same thing that rose up in David made his brother jealous for it. And that's one of the things God uses. He uses jealousy sometimes to stir people to want to do the works of God. So it's not bad. When they see it, whatever reaction they have, that's that's not your responsibility. See, it's not your problem that somebody doesn't like what you do for God and doesn't like the way your stand is in God. You understand what I said? That's not your problem. It's a good thing David didn't stop and let his brother distract and discourage him. See, on the road to your victory, the devil will send all kinds of distractions to try and get you from looking at what it is that you're supposed to be doing the older brother comes up and tells him to quit huh now i wasn't in a family i was a second child you know i had an older sister ain't do we huh but she was like a little mother you know to everybody in the house you know and sometimes that's good sometimes that ain't so good 'Cause I couldn't wait to get out from around Dewey's. You know, I didn't need two mamas. One was enough, you understand me? <laughs> but elder children do have a certain position in the family order and they call it, they have certain leadership abilities. Now, just because somebody has leadership ability, if they try to discourage you from serving God, they're wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And you don't listen to them. And so you'll have to overcome many obstacles in order to stay in warfare mode when god has you in warfare mode because what will happen is the enemy will try to pull you down oh you what are you so mean about you got to be nice to people you got to love people i love them but i hate the devil and i know the difference i know a devil when i see one and i know a devil when i smell one and i love people but i hate them devils and i'm never going to back down from hating the devil there are certain times when, when love is, is the, the order of the day. It's is what's needed. But then there's times when warfare is needed too. So if, as a warrior, you've got to know the difference. We've got people in, in authority in our government who want to love the Muslims. They don't want us to love them. They haven't offered love to us. Well, some of y'all got it. I don't care what I don't know what the rest of y'all doing. But you know, if you want to go to sleep, go to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> David finds out the reward for killing the Philistine. You need to always know what you're fighting for. You'll be a sad warrior. You won't war very long if you don't know there's a reward for what you're doing. Huh? the reward is between you and God. He will assure your heart that it's worth fighting. It's worth taking a stand. You understand? He will assure your heart about these things. The reward doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Just job well done. Coming from God. Should be enough to keep us going. Amen. David submitted to those in authority over him. He submitted to his dad. Submission allows you to take on power and authority. Because it comes through levels of authority in life. It doesn't come just out of nowhere. It comes through levels of authority. When God was teaching me what to do as a minister, my main training ground was my home. Now I thought I was a pretty decent wife. I mean, I didn't think nothing really to brag about. In fact, I never thought really much about it. You know, I was married You know, I had my life and and my career and stuff and my husband had his and we just went through life. But then when I got saved, I found there were certain ways that God wanted me to relate to him. And some of them broke me. They broke my resistance. They broke my traditional way of thinking about things. They broke my uh, understanding so that God's understanding could come forth better. So I learned how to not burn the biscuits by accident. You understand what I'm saying. Accidents always happen sometimes after a disagreement, which I never put all of them together like that. But God did. You know, God sees everything. You know, I learned how when, you know, some of his little habits, you know, his regimented way of telling me things to do you know, you know, I learned how not to do that. <laughs> you know you smile and you love them, and you understand what I'm saying, breaking all that stuff off of you because I had to serve God, you know, without an overseer. you know I've looked for people in ministry that we could submit this ministry to and do all this stuff. God never let it happen like that. You understand what I'm saying. We stand shoulder to shoulder as ministers in the house of God. All this other stuff is just people's insecurity. You know, wanting to have somebody to run to and whine to. You know, if you don't have men, you have God. Run to him and whine to him. You understand? Go to daddy when you're in trouble. So David was under authority. It'll shock you how being a good wife will make you a good minister. And being a good husband will make you a good minister. David was a finisher. He didn't leave the sheep unattended. I don't understand preachers that start churches and then run off and leave, you know. I don't understand people who sit up under them people, you know. I mean, you couldn't be getting much. Being under authority helps, you know, your place and ability It helps you know not to break rank. David obeyed his father when his father sent him out to to give his brothers the meal. David stayed under his dad's authority. And then after the warrior spirit came on him, he transferred himself under King Saul's authority. Even though King Saul was a wimp, even though he didn't obey God himself, that was where God sent David. David. It's not our job to analyze, pick apart, and criticize authority that God puts us under. Sometimes God wants to see if you're going to obey him under tough circumstances. If you're going to stay true to your commitment to God even though it's not what you like all the time. He wants to see what we're made out of on the inside and if you find out you got weakness on the inside, he will strengthen you. He's not going to leave the situation the way it is forever. He does he exposes our weakness so he can come in and strengthen it. And what you're strengthened, you find that you're not so sensitive about the difficulty after all. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people abandon marriages because they just the other person won't change. God never promised to change Nikki so I could like her more. He never promised to change me so she could like me more. He said, though we can love one another, you don't tolerate people. You love them. Big difference. This is not a tolerance kingdom. We're a love kingdom. See, love changes you so that you don't bug me as much, (laughs) you know. You're the first person that needs to be changed. Uh, and God will do that, you know I have people uh say things to people like you know when when you were first a Christian, you had this, that, and that, and that, but you haven't changed uh? they'll want to you know you know kind of like give you some kind of phony compliment because of your growth in god well who's who made you judge over me? huh how much have you grown? Not much I see still judging people, right. We're just messing around here, folks. You know, we got a message, we got a message. We got a little here, we got a little When you have a warrior inside of you, you are of good courage. You are of good courage. That warrior inside of you is a warrior of good courage. David was not moved by the giant. He wasn't afraid of the men of war and their credentials. He had confidence in God. You'll find that in verses 23 through 27. Verse 33 and verse 37. Good courage makes you run toward the enemy, not away from him. You keep getting up every time you go to prayer and you keep binding Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh. That's good courage. That's good courage. If you get bored with your prayers, there's you don't have the warrior alive inside of you. you know you just something's wrong there something's not adjusted right when you're of good courage, you get a strategy from God, and you trust God and you know your strategy will work. You know your strategy will work David's strategy they tried to put Saul's armor on him, you know Saul thought well. This kid's going to go out and fight, and this is the way crafty people think, leaders, crafty leaders think. They always want to capitalize on somebody else's reputation. I mean, that's how the game is played. Y'all don't see a lot of this stuff, but being a preacher, I know how the game is played. You want to get so-and-so to come to your meeting because they have a big following and an entourage, and if you could get some of that, you'd be in heaven almost. You know, That's the way they play the game and Saul did the same thing with David he saw David wasn't going to back down he tried first tried tried to get rid of him tried to discourage him the older brother tried to discourage him then Saul put in his two cents and he says you're just a kid you know but the words of God and this is the one thing you need to know when you are confident in God your words will paralyze any words that will come against you to try to stop you you've got to take your stand you've got to keep going forward because your words are paralyzing everything that's trying to stand against you so Saul couldn't do anything with David he was paralyzed he couldn't stop him from going forward because he saw this kid was going to do it anyway but Saul in his craftiness thought to himself oh let me let him put my armor on mm-hmm. and then when he gets the victory if he gets the victory I can say it was because he wore my armor That's true. Yeah, yeah. always was in it for me want a little piece of the you know when this thing comes in it comes in i'm going to get a piece of it because he's wearing my armor you know we'll take a bunch of selfies and go on facebook
1: and
0: i'll give 400 likes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> david refused saul's armor because god gets the glory yeah. 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 david couldn't fit it And that was his natural response. The natural reason for not wearing it was because it didn't fit. What God designs for me is not going to fit you. What God designs for you is not going to fit me. Why these people want so-and-so's mantle, I don't know, because it's not going to fit them. It's a hard thing to fit into somebody else's, what God has for them. And so it didn't fit. He had to leave the armor right there. He got a strategy from God, take the slingshot, five smooth stones. Now the slingshot was the weapon. There were certain tribes that had certain characteristics about them where they had mastered certain things. You know, the Levites were the priests and they did the worship and all that kind of stuff. The the sons of Benjamin, which is what Saul was in that family line, were experts at the slingshot but david 's got it david 's of the tribe of judah they 're the worshipers, so david 's out playing his you know guitar, and he decides to so he perfects the slingshot, which really was saul 's family 's weapon of choice saul didn 't even use if Saul had perfected what God had given him he 'd have been able to get out there and do the giant himself, but he never put to use what God gave him. Because he was always looking at what somebody else had and wanting that. See a lot of times God has put gifts and abilities in us. And instead of us minding our business and perfecting what he put inside of us. We're always looking at what somebody else has got. And assuming they're getting famous because of it. Covetousness. That's why God hates it. Because it stunts your growth. It plays God cheap. It makes people think God didn't give you anything just like he gave somebody else. See, if we quit looking at what our brother has and start looking in the word, we find out what God has for us. Did you know if you pursue what belongs to somebody else, you're settling for second best? It's used goods as far as God is concerned. It's not what he has for you. You're settling for second best. That's why he hates covetousness. Because it shortchanges him of helping you to develop what he put you in this earth to do. Somebody's going missing of something that they need because you're looking at what your neighbor has and spending all your time trying to get that like they got it. Which is secondhand goods anyway. And you never know if you're going to get it. And if you get it, you may not be able to keep it. Listen, anything people get on this earth comes with a note. Yeah. Ain't nobody got no cash money to be paid. You know, like the old immigrant people used to put money in the sock, and pretty soon it was ten thousand dollars in there, and they'd go out and pay cash. people don't do people don't do that no more. You're coveting a note when God has got yours paid for already. But that's none of my business. This <laughs> other so little Kermit the Frog thing, yeah, it's none of my business. That's my business.
1: Ain't none of my business. Sorry, of my business. <laughs>
0: when you're a warrior for God, people in charge want to know you. Who is that kid? He looks like just a kid out there. People in charge want to know you for all kinds of reasons. Don't get the big head because people want to know who you are. Don't, don't get yourself like that. David goes out with a weapon he perfected that Saul's supposed to be using. Saul's scared of, the, of the, the giant. He's hiding. He pushes David out there. Wants David to wear his armor so he can be famous too. But none of that happens. You know why? Because God won't let it happen. When this battle is over on the earth, God is going to get the glory. He's a, Jesus is going to reign supreme. It's not going to be preacher so-and-so on TV. We ain't going to be name dropping. It won't be no name dropping in heaven. Have <laughs> you been to so-and-so's conference? Ooh, I went down there and the spirit was high. <laughs> we won't have none of that in heaven. Thank God we won't. Because you know you might wind up at the wrong meeting. Because if someone's ten people say the spirit was high over there and it wasn't that high the one you went to, you probably went to the wrong place. You know, it won't be that kind of confusion in heaven, because Jesus Himself will reign supreme, and will everybody else will humble themselves to Him. Won't be any more competition for first place like it is down here. So you're of good courage; your courage never fails you. Courage will get you over. You know, courage is, is just the ability to keep getting up and going to battle. Keep getting up and go praying. Keep getting up and go declaring. Keep getting, getting up and, and going doing what God told you to do. David chose five food, smooth stones in a slingshot. His friendship with Jonathan probably played a, a part in that. Jonathan was Saul's son. So Jonathan was a Benjamite and he probably would go out with David and they would practice slingshots all the time. David never knew that that slingshot practice that he was doing every day was going to catapult him into to greatness in the nation of Israel. Just like some of the things that, that never discourage your children from doing things that they show an interest in. You know? Uh, You know, little rhymes and little things like that. You know, if they were secular, that's all I'm saying. But, you know, you you see how rappers have developed billionaire status just off that little small thing because they're persistent in it. They're encouraged in it and they don't let anybody discourage them. That means a lot as far as the world system is concerned. And, And the laws of God provide for it as well. God's laws provide for diligent people to get rich. Your hands will make you rich if you're diligent at something. So always encourage that. If you see they have a a gift or a a talent or even a a pastime where they will develop a skill in something because you never know where that skill will lead to. Especially in this day and age. Because there's so much knowledge of God's principles out there that people live off of that it's very easy to develop any small skill and let it propel you into greatness in the earth. Nobody thought that it would take just one stone in a slingshot to kill that mighty giant. But that's all it was. It was God's strategy for David. David carried through on it. David had confidence. And to me, the, the, the slingshot was a step up from what he was used to using because he killed the lion and the bear with his bare hands. And so he said, oh, I'll get me a weapon this time. This guy's pretty big. I guess I'll take a little stone and kill him with. You understand me? And so David knew that when at the end of this thing that that God would get glory out of it. So if you go over to verse 46, David answers the Goliath one more time. He said, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will kill you. I'm going to take your head off you. I'm going to give your dead body to the host of the Philistines this day and to the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. He wasn't fighting for himself. He wasn't fighting for fame. Many times you will have an investment in what you were doing for God. That's how God gets us interested in things. Say, for instance, if you're you're praying for schools to start doing what the job that they're supposed to do you might do it because you're interested because your children are in school and so whatever it is that draws you draws you but at the end of the day you are fighting for God's glory because when God gets finished with it people will know that that you don't save by the sword you don't save by the spear you don't save, save by anything natural but you save by the power of God when God comes into a situation he wants to preserve lives Only one person died that day, and that was Goliath, the guy with the big mouth. He spoke up and threatened, and he defied the armies of the living God, and he died that day. Everybody else got to go home and die another day. But he died that day because of his own words. See, when he threatened the servants of God, he threatened God. Anybody who threatens your well-being threatens your God. It's not You're not out here by yourself, and you're not out here alone. God will fight for you because he loves you and you have a covenant with him that he will never leave you nor forsake you. No enemy will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In other words, you can go nose to nose and toe to toe with the devil and he must back down because God's with you. God is always with us. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter your past mistakes. You walk with God, you'll make fewer of them. That's one thing I can tell you for sure. But God is with his people, period. And all he wants us to do is to take a righteous stand and let that warrior, when that thing inside of you stands up. I call it a thing, but you know it's the spirit of Christ that lives inside of you. When he stands up on the inside of you, then you stand at attention. And you move forward and you start to move with him and obey what he tells you to do. Anything he tells you to do, you do it. And don't be afraid and don't be ashamed and don't back down and don't get wimpy. And don't listen to the criticism of people who are too afraid to fight. Because their fear will get on you and you that will cause the warrior to back down again. But but stay with your stand that you take in God. Don't ever back down. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care. Time means nothing to God. And it's got to mean less to us. And so when God is with you, you'll know he's with you because you'll get your victory. You'll sense it on the inside of you. Uh, Warriors and victors know when it's coming before it even gets here. It's, there was a story told about Harriet Tubman and she had worked for so long, you know, under the, conducting slaves, out of slavery, you know, getting them free. Because she had a righteous, a warrior inside of her stood up and said, this is wrong. And she had her Bible with her all the time to encourage her. But she knew from reading the scriptures that it was wrong. You know from the way it looks it's wrong, but you know God says it's wrong. He's with you. You got me? It can be wrong all day long, but until you know it's wrong by God and He's with you, you won't get any victory. And so when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and and somebody ran and told her, Miss Tubman, Miss Tubman, the, 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 the slaves are free, and she said, Hmm. And they said, Well, why aren't you excited? Why aren't you happy? She said, baby, I rejoiced about that so long ago. She said, I saw this day coming so many years ago. She said, that's why I worked the way I did. See, when you see victory coming, you know that you're on the winning side. You can do any, you can risk anything. You can do anything. They said that if if they had to take babies with them, she knew exactly how much whiskey to give them. So they stay quiet, you know, and you know, what? come on now. And she didn't dope them up and they didn't grow up to be children, alcoholic children, none of that stuff. They survived. They got to the north and they lived. You understand what I'm saying? Do what you have to do to preserve life. And so, you know, I mean, there's people nowadays that look at that and say, ooh, yeah,
1: you know.
0: We give whiskey to babies when I worked in the hospital. That wasn't that long ago. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) It's better than what they're giving them now. (laughs) you understand what i'm saying all the mind-altering drugs meth addicts when they you know seven and eight and all this kind of nonsense come on now but you do what you have to do to preserve life and she had rejoiced before she set out to get people free the warriors know how to rejoice before you go into battle you go in there with a shout of victory you go in there with joy you don't go in there discouraged you don't go to talk to PTA and talk to the school board with discouragement on you. And you don't go in, in anger trying to intimidate people because the devil ain't scared of you. But he's scared of God. Amen. He's scared of the living God, the God that we serve. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we do thank you for the opportunity to know and understand who we are in you. Our foundation has to be right, Lord. We've got to be right with you. Under the authority of your church, Lord, you don't do anything outside of your church, the fivefold ministry gifts. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that your people understand your ways. They understand your ways. Let them take this with them with great understanding, Lord. Let them respond to the voice of the warrior, the spirit of the warrior inside of them. And let them be victorious in everything they set their hands to. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.